Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. You are tuned in to Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA. How you doing out there? I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you. Another interview for you on this episode. Very excited. I was just talking to uh, Angelo here. You would I've never met him before because I was supposed to have his band in last year, and I was in Alaska. So I've never <laughs> gotten to meet Angelo of the in crowd, of the Spire Theater. Um, I mean, lots of lots and lots of things I feel like you do. Yeah. But uh, the big one this weekend, if you're listening, uh, weekend this comes out, we got the first ever backstage jam this Saturday, September 16th. It's going to be at the Studio Metro Underground Theater at 8 p.m. You got in crowd, and we are three. So uh, let's talk to Angelo. Let's get into it, learn more about that, and uh, everything going on over at the Spire. Angelo, how you doing? Fantastic. How are you? Doing good. It's uh, it's nice to finally meet you. Yeah. Again, one of those uh, things where, like, you know, I feel like it happens a lot around here. Where it's like, I know of you, and I feel you know of me, but, like, we've never actually met. No. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got the email from you. I was like, oh, I'm going to finally get to meet him. Like, I feel like I know you because I've watched all of the Arts on Fire episodes, the, the Arts on Fire lives and stuff. Like, I watch them all and I I'm, I feel like, oh, yeah, I know this guy. You know, it's funny. The same thing with, like, YouTube. You you start watching one YouTuber for a long time and oh, then yeah. you, you feel like they're your friend even though they they don't know who you are. You know? <laughs> well, same thing. I mean, I play your music on Local Rush and all that. And it's like, you know, I'm aware of Spire and I've been to events over there and the in crowd and all that. So, yeah, it's kind of weird when, like, you know of them. And then, yeah, you're like, now we're in the same room together. Now yes, people finally. can hear us talking together. It's been years. It's and what we're people have been waiting it. for. I know. And we're literally like a block away. Like, yes, how do we not bump into walking. each other on the street? That blows my mind, too. Yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty walking distance from the Spire here. Yeah. Let's, uh, I mean, let's start off with that. How, is, uh, how have things been over at the Spire? You know, what's been uh, kind of going on there lately? It's getting more and more exciting. Coming out of the pandemic, is, it was tough. Like, oh, yeah, like for a theater, I imagine, man. Super hard. Um, and, like, you know, being shut down for as long as we were. And then as everyone else opened up, we it took us a little bit longer to really get to, like, full bore again. Um, but I think we're there now where we're nice. actually doing regular events and regular programming and just fun stuff is happening regularly as opposed to, like, just once a year or twice a year is what we were doing for the first stint because it was just we had to catch up we had to you know get caught up on bills and things that and people don't realize but putting on shows doesn't actually make money it costs money (laughs) (laughs) running a theater is actually not free it turns out (laughs) Uh, i've had people say things like oh you do chautauqua's got talent that must be profitable i'm like you're kidding (laughs) Like it's so expensive. So I like um, the behind the scenes side. Yeah, people don't like it's like that. You don't just turn up that day, snap your fingers, like oh, Shaka's got talents happening. Yeah, so there's a lot that goes into that, and you know, a money lot. as well. Exactly. Money goes into it. Work goes into it. You know, a lot goes into those things. Right. 
Uh, so, I mean, we have, you know, alternate revenue streams here and there to kind of help us stay. Up. We lost every revenue stream during the pandemic. So we had to really like take our time getting up and going. Um, but now we're back and we're full blown. Fingers crossed. We keep going that way. Um, there's still the struggle with trying to get the the roof replaced and fixed. You know, every year it's like my saying is the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Um, it's There's leaks everywhere, but every year we do a little fundraiser. We replace another little section and we just keep on trucking away. So it's good. It's exciting. And it's fun to watch things evolve. Um, and like that's with, with this Studio Metro uh, is... For those of you who aren't familiar with the the complex, the Inspire Development Center complex, yeah, get in because this is a big place. It's yeah, it's huge. Um, so there's what was like the actual church, the sanctuary. Mm. That's the Spire Theater. Um, then next to that, in the same building, is what once was like the Fellowship Hall, and that's Odyssey Hall, and that's where we have like dinner theaters, wedding receptions, conferences, things like that. Um, or just smaller concerts. And then behind all of that, on the 4th Street side of the building, we have what we call the North Wing. And that's where we have artist studios. Uh, there's an apart- a couple apartments. My wife and I stay there uh, with our kids. Um, and then we have a, a, we're building a recording studio in what once was the chapel. Oh, wow. Um, and then underneath that in the basement of that building, which was once was a Sunday school, basically. It was like a Sunday school with a chapel and a house attached. The basement of that was like a gym for for the church. And it's very like subterranean, very kind of like you have to go down the steep ramp to get down in there. And when we bought the building, we thought this would be cool as like a black box theater. And we'll call it Metro, like, you know, the Metro Underground, like in London. And that's like the logo looks like the underground uh uh, subway logo for the London Underground, um, and we've had a lot of really cool plays and uh, events like black box type slam poetry readings and stuff like that over oh, the nice. years, from like 2012 until 2018, 19. We had a lot of things like that. We did um, a live uh, play version of Reservoir Dogs. Oh, really? Which was. So cool. I mean, we did the special effects and everything. Like the guy got his ear sliced off right on stage and screaming and it was in the round. So like everybody was only one, two or three rows away from the the, the action. Like anywhere you are in that theater, you could reach out and touch the actors and you're watching a guy get his his ear sliced off. Like it was was intense. Um, And people getting shot and we used the starter pistol. So it was loud. and, And like, I remember my grandmother swearing at the actors like you killed him you son of a (laughs) it's great um we did 12 angry men in there which was also really cool because it's intense and you're like you're a fly in the wall in the deliberation room so we've had a lot of fun in that space um but we thought we want to utilize that more for the more because it's so intimate it's Mm -hmm. it's like you could fit like a, a hundred or so people in that space. We thought being that intimate versus like the 500 seats in the in the Spire Theater, it creates a whole different vibe. And we want to do more music of that, like kind of like, a, I don't know if it was VH1 or MTV's Unplugged. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or MTV. Storytellers kind of thing, you know, where like you're sitting there, you can reach out and touch the musician. It's that really intimate feel. 
And so we were thinking about that and we're building this recording studio upstairs and we thought, why don't we do kind of a combination where we get to rec- live record a band and get, they get to have like a pretty studio quality recording of the performance when we film the whole thing with the audience and we'll like incorporate the audience into the whole production so they get to really be engaged like we're gonna they become part of the show and so we have a whole scripted thing like in between each song we have different things that the bands will have to do and talk to the audience and we're gonna say like okay so at this point you know we want you to tell a story about why the song exists or or whatever mm. um and then we're gonna have like this first time we'll see how it goes you know it's our very <laughs> first time but i think it's gonna be like the show will start and the audience will be there and i'll come out and i'll kind of MC it this time it'll be a little different because i'm actually in the band so i have to kind of wear two hats double duties there um, man but uh the next one i think kevro is gonna do oh, nice. one in november um but uh, that one I'll just MC. I won't have to perform as well. And I'll explain to the audience what's happening. You know, so you're going to be asked to do some things. You're going to be told, to, you know, you know what your part is throughout the show. I'll be here to guide you through that. Um, and then like Kevro or in this, in our instance, it's going to be in crowd. So like I will look at a camera and I'll say, I'm Angelo Valentino with in crowd. And this is our backstage jam. And then the, crowd will be prompted to applaud and then steve davis our keyboard player will say the same thing we'll do it all throughout the all in the beginning of the show every single member of the band will look at a camera say that and the crowd will applaud then later we can snip splice them on in before the songs and, and stuff. yeah exactly so oh, th- to, things I, like I that i can see it in my head i like it yeah i definitely like that <laughs> uh so that's kind of what we're going for is, as opposed to like just filming a show like, no it's we're, we're gonna film the show but it, it'll be like we can then mix and match and and, mm. and turn it into a series of smaller videos some like i don't, I don't know about tiktok but you know reels or or shorts or tiktok or whatever they are i'll let somebody else worry about that (laughs) (laughs) end of it um but yeah and then we'll upload them and then it'll be something that i what i noticed as a venue owner i am always looking for decent live uh content of a band that i'm interested in hiring to perform oh that makes sense like when when you say hey uh you're in Garage Band number three. Um, can you send me any live video? I don't want to see uh, a music video where it's just your album that you got to uh, edit and redub and <laughs> the studio version. You yeah. hear the actual without a producer with you. Exactly. What, what do you sound like playing on the stage <laughs> and being able to do multiple takes? You yeah. know, in front of an audience where you like, if you make a mistake, I want to know how often do you forget the words? You know, things like that. But. All they ever have is cell phone video, and then I can't make heads or tails of it anyway. Grainy, like yeah, it's grainy. You can't see, you can't hear. It's all muddy. There's no bass ever. If you're you know listening to it on a cell phone, even you put it on your laptop or whatever, and you're like, I still can't tell (laughs) if it's any good. The mix is irrelevant to me. I want to know if the band is good. I know that we'll have a sound engineer who's going to make them sound good, but is the band any good? And so I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. And, you know, I'll tell, you know, part of the inspiration for me was doing arts on fire, being able to film live at arts on fire and be able to say, Hey, check this out online. That that's what our band sounds like. It's a live video of us performing. You know, this will be different. Now, of course, 
you guys have a live audience at Arts on Fire now, so that's exciting. <laughs> oh, like, oh you, yeah, that's right. There wasn't one when you were here. No, it wasn't. Right. And that was really, oh, I got to tell you, that was hard. <laughs> oh, I always, I give credit because I'm like, watching bands, one of my favorite things doing Arts on Fire Live without a crowd is watching what bands do with stage banter in between. Because some don't know what to do. Some kind of go at it like there is an audience, and it's just like they go right into what they would if they were playing at a bar somewhere. But some just kind of like, what do I do here? Like, what, it's so fun to watch. It is yeah. fun to watch. All the credit to you guys because I don't have to deal with that part. <laughs> but all the credit because I loved watching them. When we didn't have an audience. Like, what are they gonna do? I mean, I, you you get credit too because like you're doing this all day every day. You're talking into a void. Like you don't get to. I forget like, about. It. I've done it long enough. But you are right. When you start breaking it down, it's like I'm just kind of talking at a wall in here. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. If you tell a joke, you don't know if it landed. That's a very. You know? <laughs> so I gotta laugh at myself when I do it. <laughs> exactly. So that's hard. And then as a musician, like I won't speak for everybody, but I know me. Like I feed off of the energy of the audience, and like that's like that gives me that the wind in my sails. Like mm. I I feel it, even if they're not applauding. I can see, and I can I can. I can feel they're there and they're grooving with with what I'm doing, and that that inspires me. And like to have to do it into a void and at, at a wall, it's like oh god, it's just like you're, it takes so much more energy to like kind of pretend there's an audience there, and it's it can be done. I've done it. You do it every day. You know, it can be done, but it's it's not as fun for sure. No, you're right you know? about that. And so I thought this is great. You know, we have a nice little tight audience and like they're like inches away from the front row the the band will be like able to reach out and touch the audience and vice versa and so then you get that intimate feel and then we we get to help bands out by giving them some really great free promo footage and so that's kind of what we're doing we figure we'll try it out we have a band who's ready to go we don't have to try to convince um some other band to give it a shot with us. We'll just do it. You know, we'll, we'll be the first on the dance floor. And it's funny because as soon as we uh, announced we were doing it, we started getting calls. Bands are saying, yeah, we'd oh, like nice. to do that. Like, Perfect. So now it's just, it's, the ball is rolling. And uh, We Are Three is a Buffalo-based band. Our saxophone player, Augie Bates, um, is in a couple bands in Buffalo as well. Oh, nice. And so he was like, hey, you know, the other guys in my band would like to would like to do this. I'm like, why don't you guys come for the first one too? You can, can be like the opening act, but then we get two for the price of one. We get two bands get to have share an audience and share the cameras and everything else. And we can knock it all out. So that's, that's what's happening on Saturday. Nice. Now, there's lots going on. It's going to be good. I mean, like talking about too, like few, I was wondering this, like, I mean, you run so much in the spire and I mean, again, it's not just one stage. It's not like you're just like doing, okay, everything just in this one room, you know, have you, have you done anything like running venues or a theater or anything like that prior? I mean, it's so big, mm-hmm. I would assume maybe you haven't done something on that scale because just so large. But do you have background in that or did you just yeah. jump right into this? Because oh, no. <laughs> that's so, a lot to jump into. So um, my wife, Ilsa, and I started in 2002. Oh, wow. Um, 2002? Yeah, 2002. Um, we were paired up as dance partners at a, a JCC musical. And then I, you know, I always, I've performed 
on stages since I can remember. Like my dad was in a band my entire life. That was what he did for a living. And so I, and my mom was a karaoke DJ. So, I mean, like it, that was just always in my You've blood. Always been around it for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it just felt second nature. I'm more comfortable performing for a thousand people than I am just talking to one person. Like I get more nervous having a one-on-one or a small group conversation than I am on a stage in front of 15,000 people. It doesn't, that's no big deal to me. Um, so I've always performed. Um, and then when in 2003, so, so we started performing out together. Just, we had a little production company. We did what we called the vaudeville trunk shows. We literally brought a steamer trunk of props and costumes in a changing screen. And we would perform at an ice cream shop or some banquet or whatever. They would hire us for like 150 bucks to set up our little changing screen. And I would sing a song while she was changing into the next dress behind the screen. And then I would go back and change in the, into a different tuxedo while she was singing. And then we would tell jokes and do comedy routine. And then we'd do duets. And so that was Big Time Productions in its, in its infancy in like 2002. Then I auditioned for Chautauqua Lake Idol on the floating stage, the first ever year of it. And I was every single year, every single week all summer, I'm learning a new song. And I was nervous for the only time in my entire musical career because I was actually getting judged and graded. So I would lose my voice and I was busting my butt to, to do this contest. And it gets to like semifinals and I'm thinking, I the prize is like a thousand bucks and it was like a used car you get or something. It was a convertible. And I was like, that'll be cool. I'm like, do you, do you realize, Angelo, you could have just gotten a job at McDonald's and <laughs> bought that car and had $1,000 left over? You've been working so hard. What if you don't win? There's no consolation prize. And so I came here to the Reg, and I talked to Keith Schmidt, who was the facilities director at the time and executive director at the time. And I said, how much does it cost to rent the Reg uh, and put on a show? And he told me, and we went through how it works, and he was uh, such a... He just retired in... Uh, I wish I could have gone to his retirement. He's like a major mentor in my life. Oh, really? He he taught us how to deal with the union, how to create a stage plot, how to create a light plot, input lists, all of all of oh, the nice. things um, so that we can pr- put on shows here at the Reg. And our first show was Idols in Concert. We, we convinced all of the other finalists and semifinalists to get back together and do a reunion concert and we'll sell tickets and then we can each get paid a little something if we don't lose money on putting on this show. And it worked out where like everyone got a hundred bucks. Oh, nice. (laughs) I was like, that's a consolation prize. But to me, the biggest consolation prize was I started a real production company. I knew how to do it now. So then we did um, a Christmas version of that show. And then we did it again the next year, uh, another Idols concert. And then, then we put on a fundraiser. We convinced the Prendergast Library to hire Big Time Productions to put on a, a big band concert with kickline dancers. And we're like, we put together this whole like kind of brochure on how they could, instead of like for a fundraiser, you can sell candy bars. Instead, you would sell tickets to a fundraiser and you would sell sponsorship packages so that they they were actually able to make profit off of the show. This is including hiring a 17-piece swing orchestra, kickline dancers, me and Elsa to produce the whole thing. They were actually able to make profit off of that show before they sold the ticket. And then we sold out the reg. We turned away, I think it was like somewhere around 200 people got turned wow. away. Yeah, it was... Jeez. Uh, 
a crazy night. It was one of my favorite nights in my memory, too. Um, and we filled 1,300 seats. That was before we lost a few seats in the Reg because you guys remodeled and stuff. Oh, it was like great. 1,300 seats. We filled them all and turned away people on a Thursday night. <laughs> and it was just we just kept on. We're like, let's keep doing this. This is great. It's awesome. And then um, we got married. And my wife got pregnant. Well, we got pregnant. And my wife said to me... Um, okay, so I can't tell my mom that I'm pregnant unless you get a real job. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? We've been doing this for like, at, this, at that point, it was like seven years we had been running a production company successfully. And she's like, yeah, but it's not a real job. My mom won't understand. How can you have a kid if you don't have a real job? So I went to what was then the, the Willow Bay Commerce Center, the Crown Theater, the Old Commons Mall, and I pitched, I can do what I've been doing with big-time productions in this theater, which had been sitting vacant for a couple of years. Like, he owned it. He wanted it to be a theater. The owner didn't really know how to run a theater. So I said, well, this is what my resume is. This is what I've been doing for the last several years. I'll do it here. You just have to pay me a, a, a minimal paycheck in commissions, and I'll do that. And I did that for three years. Then, of course, you know, the more successful you become, the more likely you are of having your job sold out from under you. I'll <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, um, so then I, uh, so they, they sold the building. It, be, it became very successful and profitable. And my boss had moved to North Carolina or something like that. So he sold the building. And I was like, well, I don't want to stop. Like, I, I love this business. And I'm like, but I also don't want to work for somebody else who could sell my job again. So we started looking. We actually looked at the Vikings building where the beer snob is now. Um, and then we looked at a few other, just any kind of large building that we could maybe rehab and renovate. And the the Vikings building just seemed like too much to take on. It was it needed a lot of work and I'm sure you've seen a lot of what Marty's done there and it's oh, amazing. Yeah. But have you ever seen the upstairs parts? I've not. I've heard of it though. It's, I've heard about it. It's really cool up there, but it needs, it needs some deep pockets to get that, you know, like up to code. And before you even and, get a venue, you're putting years and thousands and right. thousands into just getting the thing up. Yeah. So I, I was driving home. So we live on the east side of town mm-hmm. and this is on Vikings is on the west side of town. So I'm driving down third street, going home and I'm just thinking it's not going to happen. Angelo, you're not going to be able to find a building that you can afford to convert into a venue. Just forget it, you know, go apply at Cummins or something. And as I'm driving by, First Congregational Church has a Century 21 golden sign out front. And I'm like, what? They pulled over. And I had remembered that church because my wife and I, remember we used to sing just as a duet. We sang at a wedding in that church. We just sang like the wedding song and some hymns in in that church. And I remember telling Ilsa, I said, this church looks like a theater. It has sloped floors and opera seats in it. Like someone should buy this church when they go out of business one day and turn it into a theater. And like that memory just came back to me. So I pulled over, I called Sharon Lissandro at Century 21 Turner Brokers and I said, can you show me this space? And it was like turnkey. I mean, it was already a theater. It needed a, not, it had a tiny little altar. It needed a stage. It needed like someplace where you can actually fit a, a you know, a cast and a band and whatever. So we, we ended up uh, building a stage and putting in better lighting and sound and stuff. 
but that was it. I mean, we were able to, like, it already had folding chairs. It already had china and silverware and glasses and a full commercial kitchen because we would cater for weddings and, and do all these other things. It had all of the stuff that we already need. It was turnkey, and we were able to buy the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel, including all of the contents. So I'm <laughs> like, okay, we're doing it. And we don't have to, like you know, replace all the electrical and plumbing and HVAC. We ended up having to do a lot of that as the years went on. (laughs) (laughs) It came later. It did come later. It was like, but it was bits and pieces like, you know, about four years ago, the boiler system just gone, just died. We had to replace all the the heating with either new boilers, which would have cost like millions or furnaces, which was great because now we had the ability to add air conditioning. So parts of the building are actually have central cooling, which that was never a possibility with boilers. <laughs> There's no, there was no duct work, you know, so you couldn't run in. So little things like that we've been doing as the years go on. But yeah, th- th- I guess that's a very long answer to the question <laughs> of, did you have a background in like running a facility? The, the biggest, my biggest college on running a facility would be the crown. Like, wow. like that three years was it was invaluable to me because not only did I learn more about besides just the production end of it, the business end, like having to deal with insurances and all of that stuff. All the unfun things that come with running a theater, but you have yeah. to know. Right. You know. Um, but I realized that I can handle it. It's, it's not as intimidating as I thought it was. And it was a whole building too. Like I worked for the Willow Bay Commerce Center, not just the Crown Theater. So I helped with tenant landlord stuff and like because they they had all these offices and storefronts that they rented out and I was involved in all of that so I really got to learn all the ins and outs of of being a landlord and owning a whole city block and so it was really not a big deal to take over the spire and there's every building has its own quirks and its own set of pleasures and problems (laughs) um so I'm learning still every day um but but yeah, that, so that's that's how I learned in where my background in running a performance venue comes from. Wow, wow, man. no, you definitely have the background. I think you were well equipped to run something like the Spire. <laughs> but uh, you know, what I mean, as we as we kind of start to close this out, I mean, obviously we have the backstage jam this weekend. Um, I mean, where should we send people? Where can we find the Spire online? Do you have anything else going on before the end of 2023? All that, all that good stuff. Okay, so so this weekend you can get tickets for Backstage Jam at inspirejamestown.com. Um, you can find out more details at inspirejamestown.com or go to the Spire Theater or Studio Metro or In Crowd's Facebook page. We're constantly putting out information about about that. Um, the, our next event is uh, returning the entire building. All three of those venues that I mentioned within, mm-hmm. they're all going to be part of our haunted tours. We're gonna, oh, we're gonna, nice. there's gonna be a maze that goes through the the whole building. So you get to oh, go wow. through Odyssey Hall, Studio Metro, the Spire Theater, and it'll be this really cool. So the last couple weekends of October, mm-hmm. tickets for that will go on sale in the next couple weeks. Um, and probably just in the next week or so, they'll go they'll go on sale. And then in November, on November 4th, we have Donna the Buffalo and the Probables. Bloom oh, Management nice. is bringing Donna the Buffalo and the Probables back to the Spire. Um, that's one of my favorite nights of the year 
we've had them come pretty much every year for I think five years or so. Oh, and wow. It's always a full house and it, everyone who is there, it feels like it feels like a big family reunion. Like it's just everyone has something in common. They all love, they're all part of the tribe, part of the herd is what <laughs> they call the fans of Down in the Buffalo. And so that's something I really look forward to. Um, and then we haven't announced it yet, but you get the inside scoop that nice. uh, later in November we'll be having another backstage jam with Kevro and friends. Oh, very nice. So you're yeah. already on to uh, volume two yeah. of the backstage jam. Nice. Uh, any, I mean, as we close this out, too, I mean, anything uh, else to let the people know before we uh, go here? Oh, one, <laughs> if you have an in-crowd t-shirt, an official in-crowd t-shirt, you get into the show for free on Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. So That's anybody, a nice little... Uh, yeah. Uh, anybody who... We've, we do this every once in a while. We just want to show our fans appreciation. Like, you know what? If, if we have the ability, if I'm in charge of the tickets... And uh, we can offer free tickets to people who support us in the sense that they actually bought a T-shirt. Um, then, yeah, we want to let them come to the show for free. Um, one time, one of our very diehard fans, this man, I won't mention his name. He's awesome, though. He We played in Buffalo last week at Music is Art Fest. He oh, drove nice. out to Buffalo to see us play. Couldn't find the stage, missed it, but he Ooh. got to. <laughs> but we played at Dunkirk. He drove out to Dunkirk to see he and his wife. He came. He had made his own uh, in crowd shirt. Oh, no. <laughs> he nice. didn't know. He didn't know that I meant like official shirt. So he's the only guy who gets in for free on making his own With shirt. Bootleg in crowd shirt. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, outside of this one, you don't see him like trunk of his car open selling bootleg in crowd T-shirts. <laughs> He'd probably donate the money to the Spire anyway. He's that good of a guy. Uh, so I guess if you bought a shirt from him, then I'll let you in. But no, you have to, it has to be an official in-crowd t-shirt. <laughs> oh, nice. No, I mean, Angelo, again, like, I don't know how we haven't, uh, you know, ran into each other before, but it's nice to have you in here. Again, if you're listening Friday, Saturday, September 16th, you got the first ever backstage jam with in-crowd, and we are three over at the Studio Metro Underground, I should add. And uh, I'll be back with more in just a second here. I'm Anthony Merchant, and you're tuned in to Arts on Fire.